This is Six Cold Feet Season 2, Episode 7, Ordinary Angels. This episode contains adult themes and language. Just remember me, baby, when I'm in six feet of cold, cold ground. My foster parents disappeared when I was older, and I never knew what happened to them. And at that point, I felt really low in life. And then I heard Juliet Knives for the first time. I think I was just walking down the street and the pub door was open and I just heard this music playing. And I stopped in my tracks. I couldn't believe it. So I went to the pub and just listened to the music. It just made everything seem clear to me for the first time. So wherever you are out there, Juliet Knives... Thank you for saving my life. I feel like I've wandered into a scene from The Wire. Hello? Hello, Lisette? It's Athena. Okay. Door opening on its own. That's extremely creepy. Lisette? Hello? Shit! Why do animals hate me so much today? Ah, fuck. Riot. What? His name. It's Riot. Like, Pussy Riot. Get it? Ah, yeah, that's good. I'm Athena. Pleased to meet you. I can't shake your hand because of this whole situation. That's why I have the remote control door. Oh, right. I didn't realise you were a quadriplegic. Quadriplegic, sporadically employed, minor drinking problem and still single. Can you believe it? Ha! No, you're, I mean, you're beautiful. Beautiful like a wound. What? Oh, yeah. Beautiful like a wound from Drunk on Romance. Great track. I'm really sorry about the vase. It's okay. I hated it. My mum bought it for me. I couldn't bring myself to throw it out, so you did me a favour. My nurse will clean it up when he visits this afternoon. Pity you didn't get to see him. He's jacked. Looks like Channing Tatum with a beard. I keep trying to put the moves on him, but he just reminds me he's a married man. Typical. The one man in my whole world with any basic decency also happens to be the only one I have any regular interaction with. <clears throat> you want tea? Sure. Great, it's in the cupboard over there. I take mine with milk and three sugars, also a nip of whiskey. <laughs> no, I'm joking. About the whiskey, not about the tea, I mean. <coughs> I'd get it, but you know quadriplegic, so... Right! Oh, God, of course. I'm so sorry. <clears throat> so, um, you said in your email you're working on a biography of Juliet Knives? That's right. We'd only recently started working together when she passed away. <laughs> Fucking Jules. Always thought she was this invulnerable psychonaut. But she could never handle her shit. Whenever we'd get high together... Don't 
look at me like that. Just because I'm disabled doesn't mean I'm not allowed to enjoy drugs. Aside from the fact it's illegal, I guess. I need a straw. You... Oh, God, of course. Where are they? Top drawer. Thanks. What kind of drugs did you take with her? She really liked heroin. I did it once or twice, but I was worried about getting addicted. I prefer psychedelics, you know, LSD, mushrooms, ayahuasca, DMT, stuff that makes you feel like your consciousness is jacked directly into the amp of the universe, humming with feedback. I've never tried psychedelics. My wife's not really into drugs. She got stoned a few times at uni, but her brother's a recovering addict. He has a meth problem, so she stays well clear of it. Ugh. Saying you don't like drugs because meth is awful is like saying I don't like music because Limp Biscuit exists. Do you think Juliet killed herself? Why do people keep asking me that? Probably because you were the last person to see her alive and you're literally writing the book on her. What about you? Do you think she did it on purpose? Not entirely. I think she put herself in a position where she was teetering on the edge. All it would take to knock her off would be a small breeze. The thing about Juliet was she could be strong-willed as hell, but she always needed a push to follow through on anything big. That's why she had Dylan make all her business decisions. That's why she had us push her into finally recording confessions. Are you going to ask me about the 97 Arena gig? Would that be all right? Heavy sigh. Sorry, did you just say heavy sigh? Yeah, it, um... <laughs> It sounds weird when I sigh because of my respiratory issues, so I thought I'd vocalise it to get the point home. It's strange, isn't it? How people become defined by their trauma. All the other shit I've done, uh, advocacy for drug legalisation and, and rights for people with disabilities. You know, I completed my Masters in Law with a near-perfect GPA. Seriously? Yeah. I never actually practiced. I think I mostly got the law degree so I could prove to myself I could do it. I thought it'd feel good to help put away a few creeps, but then I realised I'd have to spend every fucking day surrounded by rapists and murderers and child abusers. And even if I was trying to get them punished, I still couldn't deal with that. Anyways, all those achievements and what do people want to ask me? Tell us about the worst night of your life. That must be frustrating. I'll tell you what. If you can help me out today, once I'm done with this book, I'll do a full profile on you. I freelance for a few magazines. I'm sure one of them will pick it up. Yeah? For sure. All right, I'm in. But I, uh, I have this chat date with this American guy I've been catfishing in about 15 minutes. He sends me jewellery and lingerie and booze and stuff. He thinks I'm a Brazilian bikini model named Consuela. I sent him some photos I stole from Instagram and told him the uh, Wi-Fi at the model's only nudist beach town where I live isn't strong enough for video calls. 
<laughs> Men are such idiots. No argument here. Look, everyone's looking for some revelation or epiphany or whatever. Like that night was some sort of nexus of cosmic events. It was just another time when another girl had her boyfriend beat the shit out of her. You know how often that happens? How come those girls don't get their stories told? Why aren't you interviewing them right now? <laughs> That's a fair question. I did actually do a report on domestic violence last year. The numbers are terrifying. Yeah. Okay. Good. I'm glad someone's writing about it. Anyway, I know it was the catalyst for Juliet quitting and I wish that hadn't happened. I wish she'd made another dozen albums instead of just this last one. You know what I miss? What? Everyone thinks that it'd be dancing or running on the beach and I miss those things as well but I really miss being able to do air quotes. <laughs> it's the perfect way to mock things, you know. I'm glad he hanged himself. After a year of waiting on court dates and sitting in the witness stand having to be in the same room <laughs> breathe the same air as that creep who not only did this to me but then wouldn't even admit to it and then to be pronounced innocent by a jury of his peers you see there's an example of where I'd love to use air quotes more like a bunch of fucking clueless gits <coughs> at least he had the decency to kill himself eventually have you spoken to that crazy bitch with the fake face Juliet with a T-E? Yes. She's quite the character. <laughs> quite the character from a horror movie. Jesus, what a fucking psycho. And what about the other wives? Are you one of them? The first rule about wives club is that you cut the tongue out of anyone who asks about wives club. I'm kidding. <laughs> I know you were friends with her and I know you're writing this book and everything, but we're a private group. We're not going to go talking club secrets, you know. I understand. But this is Juliet's legacy we're talking about. If we don't fill in the gaps, other people will. Trust me. I see your point, but I'm still not sure. I already know about the fire. How she let her parents burn. She told me about it. I'm sure she would have trusted me with everything else if we'd had more time together. She told you about that? She looked me in the eyes, said, I have only told this to my nearest and dearest, but there is something you should know. Told me the whole ugly story. I don't blame her. After what those two did to her, Look, I'm not the shot caller. I'll email you Vespa's info. If she wants to talk to you, fine. But she's been in a state since Juliet died. They were, um, they were close. That'd be great. Thanks. All right. Well, 
I'd better get ready for my transformation into world-renowned lingerie model Consuela Valencia Menendez. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. It has. I'll leave you my card. Good luck with your catfishing. <laughs> Later. Hey, baby. Hey, what are you up to? Oh, nothing much. Just coming home from the library. Which one? State Library. State Library of New South Wales. What? No, I'm in Brisbane. Are you? So you didn't use the tickets you bought the other night then? Fuck. Hot tip, sweetheart. If you're going to plan a secret interstate trip, you want to avoid using our joint credit card account. At least I know if you're ever stupid enough to have an affair, you won't be hard to catch. Karen, I had to. There's some people here I really need to speak to. You promised me. I know, I know. But then I got this new lead and... You know what? I don't care. I caught up with Lisa and Angie last night, and they're going to spend a weekend in the Yarra Valley, hitting the vineyards. I think I'm going to go with them. Okay, I could change my flight and come meet you. Not what I had in mind. Enjoy Sydney. So you'll be back Sunday night then? I haven't decided yet. Don't spend any more of our money on your personal shit. Fuck! Yeah? Hello? Is Vespa here? No. She flew up to Brisbane for a funeral. You've got to be kidding me. For Juliet's funeral? Yeah. Right. Um, I've been trying to reach her on the phone, but I've had, like, no luck. She turns her phone off a lot of the time. Sometimes for a few days. Would you mind if I ask you a few questions? It's for a magazine profile on Juliet Knives fans. Sure. Come in. Are you okay? Your eyes look a little... Oh, it's just allergies. I'm totes fine. Can I get you anything to drink? Tea? Coffee? Could I possibly have a massive drink of something extremely alcoholic? <laughs> I like your style. Guess it's 5pm somewhere, right? What did you say your name was? Oh, sorry. I forgot to introduce myself. I'm Quinn. Quinn? That's a cool name. Like Harley Quinn. Right, I'm Neil. We have some cheap vodka here. It's not very good, but it is very, you know, strong. Perfect! Alright, so far away. I'm recording this chat, that cool? You're like a podcaster or some shit. Podcast? Uh, no. Gross! I hate the sound of my own voice. I'm like old school print journalism. I'm writing an article on Juliet Knives and her relationship with her fans for Beats magazine. Damn, for real? That's cool. Right, well, I don't think fan really goes far enough. Mum makes those weirdos who get tattoos of their favourite bands look like casual listeners. You mean tattoos like this one? Yeah, it was way back when I was 19, about a million years ago. For real? You don't look a day over 25. <laughs> Neil, get out of here. So tell me about yourself. What are you, like a musician or something? That's a nice guitar you have. 
Ah. I mean, I've been known to massacre the Yon Bonnever track, but no, I'm a student. I'm in my final year of my psych degree. That's cool. What did you want to ask me? When did your mum first start listening to Juliet Knives? Long before I was around. She used to play me her albums when I was in the womb, apparently. Wow, she goes way back. Yeah, the fan club's pretty much a part-time job for her. She's always on the phone, posting stuff on message boards, driving into state for meetups. What about work? What about it? She can't hold down a job. She gets casual work here and there, mostly enough to keep Centrelink off her back. But something always happens. She's got a short fuse, you know. Someone looks at her funny. Customer says some shit to her. Bam. She arcs up, throws out another name badge. It's not her fault. She also drinks too much. She's got all the classic symptoms of PTSD. Oh, no. Hey, actually, could, do you mind if you keep that last bit off the record? She probably wouldn't appreciate that. My lips are sealed. Cool, thanks. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to keep living here until I finished my degree. So I could pay her board money. Give her some cash to get by until I get a decent paying job and I can look after her. Aww, you're so sweet. Yeah, thanks. She, you know, she, she's always looked after me. Best she could, anyways. I, I want to do the same, the best I'm able. Your dad's not around then? No. Leslie's long gone. Thank fuck for that. You don't get on? You get along fine, now that he's six feet under. How did he... Mum finally managed to sneak us out and run away. She got a restraining order. You know how much fucking work it is for someone who's genuinely afraid for their own safety to get official protection from the person who's supposed to love them the most? Yeah, I'm afraid I do. Makes me so fucking mad. Anyway, she got a restraining order, but he found us, showed up at our door one night, locked me in my room and started screaming. I was five, but mum had gone over the emergency number with me again and again. I was sharing a room with her, my little bed off in the corner. <laughs> anyway, she had a phone there. I called the cops. They showed up before things got too serious. You must have been a brave kid and smart. Ah, uh, well, I was bawling my fucking eyes out. Anyway, eventually, Dad got a job in Canberra, moved away. I remember Mum crying with relief when she got the news. She started taking me to parks and museums. Public places again, finally. Then, one day I come home from school, all excited to show the picture I'd drawn of like a pink giraffe or some shit like that, and, and she is freaking out, saying we have to move house. Daddy's moving back to Sydney. Fuck, I could barely eat for the next two weeks. And then Grandma, like my dad's mum, calls and demands to talk to me. Mum says no, and changes her mind, hands me the phone. Grandma tells me, I have some very sad news. Your father's gone to heaven. Didn't know what she was talking about. That was the best fucking news of my life. What happened to him? Yeah, someone broke into his house, stole a few things. He got into a fight with them and got killed. In Canberra? Yeah. Why? It just seems weird. The murder rate there is so low. Yeah. Uh, well, like... 
Yes, Karma actually does its thing once in a while. You see this? He gave this to me when I knocked over his favourite whiskey bottle. I was five. That's... horrible. When I was a kid, I used to get really bad eczema. My skin would be all cracked and sore. If I did anything, and I mean anything, to annoy him, he'd rub chilli powder right into it. Oh my God, Neil, that's... awful. You poor thing. Yeah. Fuck that guy. You know, the whole fake dits thing isn't really working for you. God, I don't know what you're talking about. I heard you on the phone outside. Your voice sounded totally different. This whole character, one of your standard reporter tricks. In my defence, it almost always works. Not my fault I didn't know you were a psych major. <laughs> yeah, well, this version of you is a whole lot more likeable, just FYI. I hate to break it to you, but most guys your age would strongly disagree. Yeah, good thing I'm not most guys then, eh? Yeah, it is. You're kind to help your mum the way you do. After what she's been through, she deserves someone to help her out. Even though she can barely take care of herself, she still spends a few days a week volunteering at the old folks' home. She sounds like a wonderful woman. She is. But she's been weird lately. Weirder than usual. Like, erratic. Comes and goes really odd hours. I hear her yelling on the phone all the time. I'm worried about her. You've been very kind. I promise I'll make this a very flattering puff piece. Something to honour your mum. I'll even break the cardinal rule of journalism and send it to you both for approval. Sounds like she's earned a little time in the sun. Yeah. Yeah, she has. One last quick question. Does Vespa ever go by the nickname V? Uh, yeah, sometimes. Why? No reason. Just making sure I've got a few details to flesh the piece out. I should go. I think I've got what I need. Pleasure to meet you, Quinn. You too. Hey, hey, wait. One last thing. You ever heard of Diana, hunter of bus drivers? No. You, uh... You might want to look her up. Hey, Ryan. Yeah, I'm back home. At my actual home, I mean, not the hotel. What? Why? All my stuff's here. And it seems crazy to spend money on a hotel when I have an empty house just sitting here. Karen was being paranoid. You know how she gets. Yeah. What? I saw on her Instagram she's having a grand old time on some wine tour in Victoria. You didn't feel like joining her? I'm too busy with this book. Uh-huh. Ugh! Fine. We had a fight. She'll be fine when she's had a couple of days to cool down. Hey, you ever heard of Diana, hunter of bus drivers? No. Who's that? You need to look her up pronto. Shit is crazy. I... Hold on. What's wrong? <coughs> grab her phone. Okay, you grab the legs. I'll get the shoulders.
This week's episode is brought to you by a new release from our wonderful sponsors, Odyssey Books, called Champagne Charlie and the Amazing Gladys. Here is the synopsis. Hungover aristocrat Edward Charlie de Charles awakens in the back of a steam cab only to discover that the driver has been murdered. Unused to feeling responsible for anything, he feels compelled to find the killer. As he investigates, he meets the amazing Gladys Dunchurch, a stage magician's assistant whose employer has disappeared and not in a good way. They form an alliance. Charlie will help Gladys with his considerable resources and Gladys will help Charlie with her even more considerable brains. Soon they discover that their respective mysteries are not only connected to each other, but related to other seemingly unrelated strangeness transpiring in London. The murder of an astronomer, an attack on a patent medicine factory, a mysterious cult, I love cults, in an idyllic town, and reports of deadly creatures in the London sewers. Charlie and Gladys find themselves pitted against dead-eyed assassins, murderous pirates, wingless flying machines, and perhaps even creatures from beyond this earth. And lurking behind it all lies a sinister cabal that knows the secret origin of the steam-powered technology that powers their world. Can our heroes save the day, or will the fallout from that secret destroy two worlds? Champagne Charlie and the Amazing Gladys is by B.G. Hilton, and it is available right now from our wonderful sponsors, Odyssey Books. Six Cold Feet is written by me, J.M. Dinellon, and I also sometimes write under the pen name Henry James when I'm writing stories that might be ghost stories or possibly just depictions of mental illness. I also recently wrote a book called 19 and a Half Spells Disguised as Poems. That's a really fun, silly collection of poems for kids. You can get that right now, and if you get it from a website, I'll sign a copy for you and all that kind of junk. It's a really fun, silly book, and I've been very much enjoying seeing responses to it from kids all over the world. That's been really amazing. A reminder that the Julian Knives EP, Select Cuts, Music from Six Cold Feet, is out everywhere. Right now, it's on iTunes and Google Play and Bandcamp and all that kind of stuff. If you want to help us out and get it from Bandcamp, that'd be amazing. The money goes straight to us, and it's incredible, and they don't take all kinds of crazy fees. But if you just want to spin it for free, it's on Spotify and all that kind of stuff, and that's cool too. This week's Julian Knives testimonial was from Alex C. Talanda, who is the creator of the Ostium podcast. If you haven't heard Ostium yet, you've got to check it out. It's a very strange and fascinating show about a mysterious town with doors that are portals to all kinds of unusual places. This one really sucked me in, so I highly recommend checking that one out. Thanks for that one, Alex. We really appreciate it. If you want to send us a testimonial, we've only got a couple of episodes left, so fire that on through to deadericproductions at gmail.com. 30-second clip. We'd love to have you on. We're running out of time. Get amongst it. Sound design, editing, production, sacrificing goats to the appropriate deities, all that kind of junk was done by myself and Jessica McGaw. Our cast this week was Melanie Zanetti, Elizabeth Best, Haley Francis, Jessica McGaw, Liam Soden, Jenna Saney, and Tom Yaxley. Now, I should mention, Elizabeth, aka Liz, has not one, but two regular podcasts. She has one called Castology, which she does with a couple of wonderful gentlemen. A lot of people are always asking me, where do I find good podcasts? Now, we recommend a few on this show that we really like, but Castology is a really great podcast recommendation podcast. Check it out for some great new shows. In addition, she also has The Ghosts of Boyfriends Past, which is a relationship podcast. So she's quite prolific. Now, as always, we of course have to give a huge thank you to our patrons on patreon you are the reason why this show happens in particular our chorus level patrons sandy darling tony zolo kathleen anna cook and go in space we talk about it every time we put up a new episode because it's a great show and we love them and we love the creators 
Go in Space, fantastic sci-fi podcast. You can get it for free, not even for any money. Go and do that. All right, we're going to be back in a couple of weeks with the next episode. If you're not a patron, get on there and help us out now. We're already thinking about season three. And of course, we need your help to make it happen. Make sure you review, rate, subscribe. Or most importantly, just tell a friend with your mouth. Go up to them and say, Barry, you've got to listen to this podcast. And when they say, calm down, what the hell is going on? Just explain in a calm voice that if they don't listen to this podcast, things are going to get pretty messy pretty quick. Or just say it in a polite way. I don't know. I'm not going to tell you how to live your life.